From Green Biz Group, welcome to Center Stage, the best of live interviews from Green Biz events. I'm Joel McCower. So much of the communication about climate change is the problem statement. And they're not hearing very much about solutions. And they're certainly not hearing very much about meaningful solutions that they can take part in. Catherine Wilkinson is senior writer at Project Drawdown, creator of a landmark 2017 book on solving, not just easing, climate change. She spoke with me at the GreenBiz 18 conference about how to motivate and empower people, companies, and others to embrace high-impact solutions that address climate change while creating a more healthy, equitable, and resilient world. Let's listen in. Welcome, Catherine. Not everybody knows Project Drawdown, Drawdown, so give us the elevator pitch. Yeah, so Drawdown is three things in one in some ways. So Project Drawdown is the organization, the nonprofit, that is run by Paul Hawken. And we focus on mapping, measuring, modeling, and communicating the most substantive solutions to global warming. So that's what's happening in Sausalito, California, and with researchers around the world. Drawdown's also a book, uh, a New York Times bestseller that came out last April, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to reverse global warming, uh, which brings to life 100 of those solutions, technologies and practices that either avoid sending emissions up or bring them back home. Um, And then probably most importantly, Drawdown is an aspiration, uh, a a crucial goal for humanity, um, which is really what inspired the work. So as we use this term Drawdown, it means the point in time at which greenhouse gas concentrations in the atmosphere peak and then begin to decline on a year-to-year basis. So it's really about a threshold at which we head back towards conditions that are most conducive for life on this planet. So just to be clear, this is not about stabilizing emissions. It's not about seeing emissions grow by only so many parts per million. Uh, This is about reducing those parts per million back to a safe and sane level. Exactly. Um, I was with a big auditorium of middle school students in Jackson, Mississippi in October, which is a sort of terrifying audience, much more terrifying than this audience. Um, and yeah, this, is, and this is only the world's biggest brands and companies. Yeah, so it's, this is all totally fine. Eighth graders, that is what will make you shake in your boots. Um, so we were looking at um, you know, a, a slide charting the last 200,000 years of CO2 concentrations in the atmosphere and you know, that steep upward line that we all know uh, way too well. And so I said to them, so you know, if this is what's going on, here we are. This is Terra Nova, right? 407 ppm, I think, is the latest reading. We've never lived in these conditions before as a species. You know, if, what would you want to do? And one sort of brazen young man said, Whew. So I was like, yeah, that's pretty much drawdown. <laughs> Um, so, uh, to your point, Joel, a, a lot of climate goals boil down to slow, stop, stabilize, reduce. But when you step back and think about that Terra Nova situation, um, st- 
stabilizing in Terra Nova seems a bit mad. Uh, so we wanted to, to put forward sort of a, a bigger aspiration. Yeah. Um, so this one whistling, drawing kid aside, how did those eighth graders take it in yeah. general? So, you know, they, they get it. Um, they also wrote down questions on little index cards as we went through, looked at a bunch of slides of solutions. Um, and the first question was, is the planet doomed? Right? They, they're like, let's just bottom line this thing. You know, we're, we're 12, we're 13, we wanna know what's the deal? Um, and it makes sense that they're asking that question when so much of the communication about climate change is the problem statement. Right. Um, and they're not hearing very much about solutions. And they're certainly not hearing very much about meaningful solutions that they can take part in. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just the book is really extraordinary. It's, it's, it's really 80 solutions yeah. uh, put together by a team of, I don't know how many dozens of PhDs, ran the numbers about what the investment is, what the return is, what the carbon reduction would be uh, with great, um, it's, it's, it's great, not just great data, but great, it's a great read for each of these. Uh, talk about some of the top solutions. Uh, you know, the first, the number one solution for drawing down climate change is uh, not something you would have expected. And, and I, I think it was yeah. actually not something that you expected. Yeah, uh, our team was as surprised as I think anyone else has been um, looking at, at the results of this work. And that's the nature of doing math, I think, sometimes. Um, I love so many of the solutions because I spent so much time with them. But the number one uh, <laughs> is not very sexy, I have to say. It's refrigeration. Um, specifically the opportunity to better manage leaks and disposal of hydrofluorocarbons, HFCs, which are, um, came into use after the Montreal Protocol uh, and the phase out of CFCs. Great because they have almost no negative impact on the ozone layer, but it turns out they're a thousand or more times uh, the, the global warming potential of carbon right. dioxide. So, these are everywhere, um, and we will be phasing them out globally, uh, thanks to the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol. But in the meantime, they're in circulation, they'll be coming into circulation, so addressing leaks and, and disposal is a, yeah. a big opportunity, almost 90 gigatons yeah. over 30 years. So, so the refrigeration isn't the problem, it's refrigerants, and specifically when refrigerants escape, and so, and it's not just in refrigerators and freezers, it's also uh, air conditioning units. Air conditioning units, cold yeah. chains, you name it. And as the air conditioning becomes a part of, uh, of the uh, new emerging middle class uh, in, in India, Pakistan, and in China and elsewhere, that, that becomes a bigger issue. Absolutely. So what's the opportunity there? Is there, I mean, obviously there's an, we've had the ability, I think they call them vampires, to, to take uh, out, safely take it out, but I don't think that's yet the, the primary means by how refrigerants are captured or they're not captured. What's the opportunity here for, uh, for the world, for business? How do, we, how do we deal with that? Yeah, so really the biggest opportunity is at the point of disposal. That's when about 90% of emissions occur. Um, and so when 
you know, when air conditioners or when refrigerators are, are coming out of their life cycles, um, having them properly disposed of is, is a huge opportunity. Of course, there's also, you know, the best possible thing is to, to leap forward past HFCs even more quickly, which is happening uh, in certain areas. Vending machines are, are making big leaps forward and, and others. Yeah, but, but it seems like that's a, because those are all local, those are all in the local community, that, that would be a, I would imagine a huge economic development opportunity at the local level around the world. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, this is one of the solutions that is, um, it's, it's expensive to, to do, um, which means there's money to be made. Yeah. So give us a few more just quickly of the top five Quick or seven. I mean, probably one of the most interesting things, food is the largest sector overall for potential impact, about 320 gigatons over 30 years which is very interesting, right? We so often find ourselves talking about climate as an energy problem that needs energy solutions, um, which of course is a huge part of, of the puzzle. What about food? Is it the, the, the way we grow and produce it? Or the way, is the food we choose to eat? Is it food loss and food waste? It's all of it. Okay. So reducing food waste is the number three solution. Plant-rich diets are the number four solution. Silvopastures, number nine. What is the silvopasture for? Silvopasture. Uh, it's from the Latin for forest and grazing. So conventional wisdom would tell us that cows and trees don't mix, but this is actually a very ancient system of integrating trees, um, possibly fruit and nut crops, as well as livestock, which isn't just um, great for farmers, right? They end up with products coming to market on different timelines, more insulated from risk. But if you compare a pasture with trees, to a pasture without trees, the pasture with trees will sequester five to 10 times more carbon. Yeah, so a couple, couple more? A couple more. Um, the sector that is nearest and, and dearest to my heart is the sector focused on women and girls. The number six solution is educating girls. Number seven is family planning. These are solutions that are focused on closing gaps on women and girls' fundamental rights um, enhancing their opportunities, empowerment, and, and well-being that turns out to have positive implications for society and the planet in a, in a whole host of ways. But if you advance education and you advance family planning, you end up with fewer feet making their carbon footprints as of mid-century. So, so, so this is about population, I don't know the word, control or stabilization. Is that, with the, is that with the women and girls empowerment? Is that basically the carbon, the climate drawdown, carbon drawdown result? So yes on population, no on control. So I, we think that really the environmental space has gotten this language wrong for so long, which is that the verb is not control, the verb is empower. So it's about giving women what they say they want and don't have. There are about 210 million women around the world who want access to contraception so that they can manage the size and spacing of their families and they don't have it. There are uh, about 130 million school-age girls who are not in school currently. Girls who go all the way through secondary school choose to have smaller families. They more actively uh, feel empowered to use uh, family planning and the children they have are healthier um, and more resilient. Yeah. So this all sounds good, and it certainly sounds like you know, we're naming the right goal, uh, having big and bold, audacious aspirations. Is it achievable? 
Well, that's sort of up to us, right? Um, what our team did was set out to do the math on what is possible based on technologies and practices that we already have, we're already using, they're proven, they're scaling. And then to ask the question, okay, if you took each of these and scaled it vigorously but plausibly, globally, between now and 2050, what's the impact you're going to see? Um, based on the toolbox we have, those 80 existing solutions uh, in Drawdown, we can get to Drawdown by 2050. Um, mathematically. Mathematically. Yeah. So we are not saying that the bar isn't high. We're not saying that the odds uh, aren't long. But it is possible based on what we're already doing. And just to clarify, we said 100 before. You just said 80. There's 80 solutions and 20 coming attractions, which are solutions that are not yet quite here, but with a little bit of elbow grease, I guess, and money and R&D can, can get us to there. Exactly. Um, so What's happened since the book came out last April? And um, yeah. particularly, I'm particularly interested in, in the response from the private sector. Has there been, uh, have companies been stepping up and raising their hand in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, so um, the book has been incredibly generative, um, more than we could possibly have expected. So best-selling environmental book of 2017. We're in our seventh printing, and the print runs just keep getting bigger. It'll be in another 10 or 11 countries uh, in the coming months. Um, as, as far as kind of a little Trojan horse going out into the world, that is, is working really well. Explain why that's a Trojan horse. What, well, what, what's the army that jumps out? Sure, I, I get the army of solutions, I guess. Um, but also, I think, you know, yes, in some ways it's a catalog of solutions, but add those together and net-net what you end up with is a vision of, of what's possible. Um, and you start to see, I think, the way in which this isn't just about greenhouse gas emissions. These are the means of building a more equitable, healthy, prosperous, vibrant world. So again, sticking to the private sector, are, are companies getting this? Do they say this is helpful and as a result of this, uh, you know, what are the outcomes at all of, of, that you're seeing, but where are companies stepping in? So there are loads of startups um, in, in this world and we'll be uh, seeing, I think this year at some point, a $500 million drawdown fund that's designed to help accelerate some of that work. Um, on the kind of public companies side of things, uh, Folks are probably familiar with Interface's goal that they came out with last year, uh, carbon climate take back. And that, as far as I know, is the first public company that has publicly stated a goal of drawdown. Um, you know, we, we hear whispers of, of other things in the works, but I would actually be really interested in, in to ask this room whether the aspiration of reversing global warming has even been entertained in conversation. Um, yeah. uh, where would, I mean, other than, than your book, I'm curious how that conversation tends to get started, because it isn't. Yeah. You don't hear it. It, it really still, the, the, the great success of your, of your book, Drawdown Notwithstanding, it hasn't caught on much as a meme outside of, you know, 
maybe some people in this room, certainly not the whole room, and, and some other pockets. Uh, how do we, how does this scale as a, as a meme, as an idea? Yeah, um, so what, what we're seeing is that folks are picking this up and running with it from Nova Scotia to New Zealand. Um, so we're a very small full-time team of five. Um, there's no way that we can possibly you know, lead the charge of taking Drawdown out into the world, but what we can do is try to help those who want to work on this and with this concept to find one another. Uh, so we're kind of fostering um, and matchmaking within this growing coalition of um, communities, universities, all sorts of institutions, uh, funders, you know, you name it, folks are stepping forward um, and, and wanting to work with this. And I think that's how it grows, right? It's going to be as organic um, as has been the development of the solutions, right? Part of the reason why we did Drawdown was to reflect back to humanity what we already know, but we just didn't know that we knew it, right? Because we've been out in backyards and fields and companies and forests and halls of government and universities, laboratories, testing and learning and refining and trying again. And that's gonna be the nature of this. I think it's going to be much more ecological in its movement than it will be hierarchical and, and top down. So what's your organizational, uh, organizational role uh, responsibility, uh, commitment to the people that step up and say, I love this, what can we do as a, as a, as a city, as a company, as an organization? What, 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 do you, what do you have to offer? So we are a living research and communication project. Um, so we're going to keep doing those things the very best way that we can do them. Um, so we have already uh, modeling is entering kind of its next iteration, uh, looking forward to a second edition of the book in probably spring of 2019. So we want to keep putting forward the, the best insight and knowledge and analysis about these solutions, and we're working towards um, making that more and more open source uh, so that we can equip people to, to take um, to, to take the models and, and work with yeah. them and run with them. On the communication side, um, you know, I think it is, a book is great. A book is only one Trojan horse, right? Um, so we have other publications in the works, but also curriculum. Um, looks like a Netflix series, possibly a documentary. So we have to also translate the work into other mediums that will reach people in, in different ways. That gives a whole new meaning to Netflix and chill, don't you? I think so. <laughs> um, I'm going to use that. Okay. I want to get to questions in a second, but what have you learned about, as a, communications, about reframing the, the climate change conversation? Something we've talked about all the time, something we all know yeah. needs to happen. What have you been trying to do that through this notion of drawdown? What have you learned? So 98% of the time, our conversations, I think, about climate focus on what we need to do and how to do it, or what is going to happen if we don't do what we need to do. Um, it is really in the nuts and bolts, and that is all great and so important. And I think of kind of analytical rigor as, as table stakes, right? That's sort of the price of entry to this, to this party. 
And we have not tended to think so much about language and communication. And when I share this work, what I see happen in rooms like this is a kind of reignition of a sense of a sense of possibility. Um, so, you know, we've gotten so good at telling an I have a nightmare speech about climate change. And we have been woefully bad, I think, at articulating a vision beyond averting catastrophe. Yeah. Like what would what would we actually want to get out of bed in the morning um, and work towards? Um, and if the end game is about action, right? It's not just our head, it's also our heart that comes through our hands. And I think we have to be speaking to, to both of those things. Mm. Um, Mary Oliver's most recent collection uh, has this wonderful poem called The World I Live In. And she, she says, um, I have refused to live locked in the orderly house of reasons and proofs. The world I live in and believe in is wider than that. Mm. And anyway, What's wrong with maybe? You wouldn't believe what once or twice I have seen. I'll just tell you this. Only if you have angels in your head will you ever possibly see one. And I think we have to help each other have the angels in our head. Um, because just the technologies, just the practices, I, I don't think it gets us there. I think we need that. Um, I don't know, we, we need that sort of extra spark, um, that extra magic yeah. of, of heart. Yeah, I love the, uh, the idea of aligning head, heart, and hands. That's, mm. that's, that's powerful. Elaine, let's get a question or so in. Yeah, so we've been conducting a series of virtual polls during these keynote discussions, and the poll question that we had here was, has the aspiration of reversing global warming ever been entertained at your company? So those who are participating online within this poll, very unscientific, 73.3% um, said yes, so that means about 26.7% said no. That said, there's a majority online, obviously, that are thinking about it. So the question is, how can they make it happen? So how can a sustainability team make a business case for prioritizing these strategies? Well, first of all, that is really exciting. I would not have expected three quarters of folks to say, yes, we've even, <laughs> we've even entertained this, this wild notion. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, look, I, I think the truth is we, none of us know how we're going to do drawdown, right? What we know is that we all have to go all in. And I, I honestly think it's, it's not much of a goal if you already know how you're going to get there. Um, so I think there's something about the chutzpah and the imagination um, to, to be willing to, to entertain it. Um, I think from, you know, from, a, from a business case, and I imagine uh, Aaron Meesen will talk about this on, on the panel this afternoon. From Interface. From Interface. You know, Drawdown is a way of turning the kaleidoscope, right? Shifting the aperture. Um, a, a former colleague of mine, uh, Alan Enney, wrote a, a great book called Thinking in New Boxes, right? Thinking outside the box actually is not psychologically possible. We have to have mental models and frames to think about things. Drawdown is an invitation to shift a mental model and start to ask, 
what if and how might we in different ways. And I think opening that up by saying we actually don't know is the first place to start. Yeah. But that business opportunity, I think uh, they'll get into on, on the panel this afternoon. Yeah. So where does this go? Um, you know, when we meet back here at, at GreenBiz 20, two years, what's a story you want to be able to tell about Project Drawdown? Yeah. Well, I hope that maybe it'll be three quarters of people uh, polled are now in companies that have committed in some way to drawdown, not just entertaining um, the aspiration. You know, if if we don't collectively take this on, it's not going to happen. Nobody else is going to do it for us. So that would be a huge a huge part of, of what success would look like. Um, what we really want to see is this term not be thought of as a book, not be thought of as an organization, but be thought of um, in a generic way, right? Almost in the way that we think about sustainability today, um, but upping the ante uh, a, a bit further. So I think if, if we're at that point sort of talking about reversing global warming as like, of course, that's where we're headed, yeah. and we've started to make plans and we've started to, to break that down into sort of actionable strategies, um, that would be amazing. If you can make the notion of drawdown to be the no-brainer that why, of, co of course, why wouldn't we want to do that? Everybody's doing That's drawdown. a huge win. I, I think the tool that you created, this book, and the, all the amazing research behind it, and the community of, of, of scientists that put it together is, is a terrific accomplishment. And of course, it, does, it needs to go much, much further than that. And so I, I hope that, uh, you know, our, our audience will, will take that challenge, take that uh, uh, opportunity to, to look at how do we do this and how do we not just engage with the science, but as I love you again saying, our, help us align our head, heart, and hands. Please join me in thanking Catherine Wilkinson. You've been listening to Catherine Wilkinson of Project Drawdown in conversation at the GreenBiz 18 conference in Phoenix, Arizona. For more Center Stage podcasts, go to greenbiz.com slash center stage. And while you're there, tune into GreenBiz 350, our weekly podcast covering the news and the people behind the news in sustainable business and clean technology. For all of us here at GreenBiz Group, I'm Joel McCower. Thanks for listening. <laughs>